Over the past couple of months, we have been in a series of lessons entitled, Fighting Your Fears. Our theme verse is Psalm 34 and verse 4. So let's read this out loud together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Simply put, God wants us to experience fear-free living. And so we've been studying the truth, love, and faith solutions to our fear of the future, our fear of failure, our fear of our fear of loneliness, and last Sunday, our financial fears. That brings us to today's lesson. My guilt. Whatever label we give it, guilt, shame, embarrassment, disgrace, regret, this fear haunts us and taunts us relentlessly. I feel like I'm in a prison. In my mind, there's a closet. In that closet is a box. I go to this box at least once a day. I dread opening it. But I don't know how to live without it. In this box, I keep the past. I keep my mistakes and failures, my sins and my regrets. This box contains the voices that keep me from moving forward, all the things that keep me from living. These cards, these voices, have become the very definition of my inner being. They keep me from escaping the darkest parts of me. You deceive. You only care about yourself. You're an addict. You're unkind. You judge others. There are times when I feel strong enough to take back control, to let go of these regrets to just walk away. But every time I try, I hear the voices even louder. This is who you are. You are no better than you were before. Do you think God still wants you? Do you think he still cares? How many times is he going to take you back? You're careless and selfish. You just don't measure up. And I'm pulled right back into the box. With shame.
I have allowed this box to imprison me. Fighting your fears, my guilt. Oh, how desperately we long to be free from guilt and shame. Well, the Bible gives us the truth, love, and faith solutions for this fear. 1 John 4 and verse 18 tells us, Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear, for fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Don't miss that last phrase. Fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. So how do we fight this fear, this torture of feeling guilty? John gives us the solution. Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. So let's expand on that just a bit. See, the problem is my guilt. The problem is my guilt. As John so aptly put it, the torture of feeling guilty. I mean, who among us hasn't experienced the torture of feeling guilty at some point in our lives? We can identify with David who cried out in Psalm 38 and verse 4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. This overwhelming struggle with guilt leads to several different fears in our lives. The fear that I'll be exposed, that I'll be found out. The, the, The fear that I'll be rejected. That if others knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. The the fear that I'll be punished, that God will cause bad things to happen to me. The fear that I'll be condemned, that, that God will condemn me to eternity in hell. And so the problem is my guilt. The solution is God's love. Or as John wrote, Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. I like the way that the Living Bible paraphrases 1 John 4, verses 18 and 19. Let's read it out loud together. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. In other words, when we truly understand God's perfect love for us, we understand and enjoy a relationship with God That is guilt-free. Hebrews 10 verse 22 tells us we can come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. And isn't that exactly where each and every one of us wants to live? My guilt. As we ponder the problem of my guilt and the solution of God's love this morning, let's consider three main thoughts. First, what Satan wants me to do with my guilt. Second, what God wants me to do with my guilt. And then third, what God himself does with my guilt. 
So let's begin with what Satan wants me to do with my guilt. In John 8 and verse 44, Jesus called Satan, our spiritual enemy, a liar. Jesus said there's nothing truthful about him. Everything he says is a lie. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that the devil wants to play on our fearful feelings of guilt by deceiving us. And basically, he wants me to do three things, three wrong things with my guilt. First, Satan wants me to bear it. Satan wants me to bury it. Job 31 verse 3 says, I have concealed my sin as Adam did by hiding my guilt. Remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Story of the fall, the story of humankind's first sin. What did Adam and Eve do after they sinned? They tried to hide from God. They tried to cover up their feelings of guilt. And we still do the same thing today. And when we do, we are playing right into Satan's scheme. You see, the devil's lie is that we can successfully hide our guilt. And we can't. And his deceitful scheme is generally threefold. First, he wants us to minimize guilt. Ah, it's not a big deal. What are you worried about? No big deal. And he wants us to rationalize our guilt. Everybody's doing it. By the way, you know what rationalize, the best way to understand what rationalize means? Rational lies. And then he wants us to humanize our guilt. I'm only human. I mean, what do you expect? I'm just who I am. It's me. It's all of us. And when Satan tempts us to bury our guilt, to minimize, rationalize, or humanize our sin, we need to remember Proverbs 28 and verse 13. In fact, let's read this out loud together. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Better believe it. Number two, Satan wants me to blame it. Satan wants me to blame it. Like burying it, blaming it is also a strategy that Satan has used from the very beginning. When God confronted Adam about eating the forbidden fruit, notice how Adam responded, Genesis 3 and verse 12. It was the woman you gave me who brought me some, and I ate it. And so God turns to the woman, Eve, and she responds in verse 13, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, Satan. And we still play the blame game today. Instead of taking responsibility for our sin, it's always someone else's or something else's fault. We blame it on our parents. We blame it on our circumstances. Sometimes, in fact, we even blame God. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 13. People's own foolishness ruins their lives, but in their minds, they blame the Lord. The fact is, we blame anyone and anything and everything except ourselves. By the way, you know how to spell blame, don't you? Be lame. (laughs) And that's exactly what we're doing when we are blaming our sin on somebody or something else. We are being lame. And we're falling right into Satan's scheme of things. We need to heed the principle in Leviticus 5 verse 17. If a person sins, they are guilty and will be held responsible. Thirdly, Satan wants me to believe it. Satan wants me to believe it. The devil wants us to feel guilt 
and shame. He wants us to become discouraged and defeated. He wants us to beat ourselves up and to wallow in the disgrace and the regret of our sin. Proverbs 28.17 tells us that a person haunted by guilt is doomed. There's no helping him. And some of us here this morning know exactly what it is to be haunted by guilt. That box just keeps calling to us. We can identify with the psalmist in Psalm 38. I'm collapsed under gunny sacks of guilt. I'm flat on my face feeling sorry for myself from morning to night. I'm on my last legs. I've had it. My life is a vomit of groans. My heart is about to break. I'm a burned out case. Now here's a critically important truth to remember. Don't miss this. Conviction of sin is from God. Condemnation for sin is from Satan. You've got to know the difference between these two. Conviction of sin is from God. John 16.8 tells us that part of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, in this world today, is to convict the world of sin. Convicts us of sin. He points out that you have sinned. Condemnation for sin is from Satan. Revelation 12.10 tells us that he is the accuser with a capital A. He loves to point his finger. He loves to point at you. He doesn't say that you've sinned. He says you are a sinner. You see the difference? You're a loser. Look at you. How can you call yourself a Christian? And he condemns you. He accuses you. He wants to bring you down. Read Romans 8. Verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, for the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus. And so, we have no condemnation. Yes, we are convicted, but we are not condemned. And so Satan, the liar, the deceiver, wants me to do three wrong things with my guilt. He wants me to bury it. He wants me to blame it. And he wants me to believe it. Which brings us to our second main point, and that's what God wants me to do with my guilt. In contrast to Satan's lies, here's God's truth. Basically, the Lord wants me to do three correct things with my guilt. Number one, God wants me to admit my guilt to myself. God wants me to admit my guilt to myself. Proverbs 20, verse 27 reminds us, the Lord gave us a mind and conscience we cannot hide from ourselves. Isn't that true? We know. We know. Here's where freedom from guilt begins. I must come clean with myself. I must accept responsibility for my sin. I must totally and honestly uh, uh, admit my guilt to myself. 1 John 1 and verse 8 warns us if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now David knew the importance of admitting his guilt and accepting the responsibility for his own sin. Look at Psalm 51. And just notice as we read through this, all the times David accepts personal responsibility with the words like me and my and I. God, be merciful to me. Wipe out all my wrongs. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. I know about my wrongs and I can't forgive my sin. Take away my sin and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Psalm 
Turn your face from my sins and wipe out all my guilt. Notice how he just accepts the responsibility. Lamentations 3 and verse 40 urges us, let us examine our ways and test them. And so I got a practical homework assignment for you this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to assign some homework. I want you to take your Bible, a notepad, a pen, and open your Bible to Psalm 51. We just read some verses from there. And spend about an hour, because it'll take at least that long, spend about an hour before the Lord and just pray, God, would you open my eyes to see my sin? Would you reveal to me all of my wrongdoings, where I fall short? The ones I know about and the ones I don't know about. Because He can do that too, you realize. And ask God just to reveal. And as He reveals them, just start writing on that piece of paper. Write out all of those sins. Now, hang on to that thought because we're going to come back to what you're going to do with that in just a little bit. Number two, God wants me to admit my guilt to Him. God wants me to admit my guilt to Him. Here's the next step in fighting the fear of guilt. I must come clean with God. I must take that list of sins we just talked about homework assignment, and I must confess them to the Lord. One by one, go through that list and ask God for His forgiveness and His cleansing from those regrets. Read 1 John 1 and verse 9 out loud with me. If we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. That word freely admit, uh, most translations use the word confess. Uh, The Greek word homologeo literally means that we speak the same thing. It means that we uh, agree with, in this case, God. When we confess or freely admit that we have sinned, we are saying the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin. We are agreeing with Him. Yes, God, this is a sin. This is an infraction. This is a transgression before you. And so you take that list and you begin confessing them one by one. To the Lord God, I, I say the same thing about this sin that you do. It's wrong. And I ask with a heart of repentance that you would forgive me, that you would cleanse me, that you would remove this transgression from my life. And you agree with Him. You speak the same thing about that sin with Him. David wrote in Psalm 32, In verses 3 through 5, there was a time when I wouldn't admit what a sinner I was, but my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord, and you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. And so second... 
God wants me to admit my guilt to Him. Number three, God wants me to admit my guilt to others. God wants me to admit my guilt to others. Here's the final step in being freed from the fear of guilt in my life. I must come clean with others. I must take into confidence a trusted family member, friend, or Christian counselor, pastor, church leader, to whom I can confess my sin and from whom I can receive support and accountability. James 5 verse 16 tells us to confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Now this is the most difficult of the steps, I think. Yeah, I'll admit my sin to myself and I'll admit my sin to God, but please don't ask me to tell anybody else. And the reason that so many of us remain captive, the reason we cannot break the bondage to whatever this addiction or this sin is in our lives is because we won't take this third step. The only way for us to completely break free is for us to take into confidence someone else who is a Christian brother or sister in Christ and confess our shortcoming to him or to her. And in that moment of that confession, we have now shared that burden with them and we can be free at last from the bondage that holds us captive. And again, the reason so many people never get completely free is because they never take this step. There's something that happens, there's a release that happens when we confess our sins to one another. And it's an important part of the process of healing. Ecclesiastes 4 tells us two can accomplish twice as much as one, for the result can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up. But if a man falls when he is alone, he's in trouble. And no one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. We need each other. So God wants us to do three things, three correct things with our guilt. I need to admit my guilt to myself, I need to admit my guilt to him, and I need to admit my guilt to others. Which brings us to our final main thought today, and that's what God himself does with my guilt. I refer back again to 1 John 4 verses 18 and 19 that we read at the beginning of today's lesson. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. Simply saying, one of the reasons that we struggle under the fear of guilt in our lives is because we are not fully convinced that God really loves us. We do not understand that God's love for us is unconditional and unlimited. So, how much does God really love us? Earlier I had you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> you thought I might never get there. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, I want us to look at three verses. Verses 17, 18, and 19. We'll pick it up, in fact, right in the middle of verse 17. 
Paul says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Don't want you to miss those words. Wide, long, high, and deep. In the short time we have remaining this morning, I want us to think about these four dimensions of God's love. First, God's love is wide enough to forgive everyone. God's love is wide enough to forgive everyone. In Psalm 145 and verse 17, the Bible tells us everything the Lord does is right. With love, He takes some uh, care of some that He has made. Just testing you again. I want to make sure you're with me. It says He takes care of all. That all includes you, me, all that He has made. Here's the truth we must understand. There isn't anyone, anywhere, who isn't included in God's love. The circle of God's love is wide enough to forgive everyone, young or old, male or female, rich or poor, black or white, good or bad, lovely or unlovely. Nobody, absolutely nobody, is excluded from God's offer of forgiveness. As we've sung all month long, for His love washes away my sin. As we sang this morning, I'm free from the guilt of my past. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Romans 3 verses 23 and 24. Yes, all have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ who freely takes away our sins. And so first, God's love is wide enough to forgive everyone. Number two, God's love is long enough to forgive every day. God's love is long enough to forgive every day. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, such a wonderful verse. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You see, human love may dry up, but God's love for us is everlasting. It is unfailing. It will go on and on and on and on forever. In fact, 26 times in Psalm 136, the psalmist repeats the words, His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. 26 times. And to think, some of us complain when we're singing a worship chorus that repeats the same phrase over and over again. But repetition is a good thing, in fact, especially when it is His love endures forever. We need to be reminded again and again that God's love for us is patient and persistent and persevering. I mean, isn't it good news that God never ever gives up on you? (laughs) No matter what you do, He will never quit. His love will never die. He loves you on your good days and He loves you on your bad days. He loved you yesterday, He's loving us today, and He will love us tomorrow. His love is long enough to forgive Every day. Now if you've sinned repeatedly, and in your guilt you've convinced yourself like the guy in the video 
That God cannot possibly forgive you yet one more time. God's words of assurance in Isaiah 54 are just for you. In fact, let's read this together. With deep love I will take you back. I will show you my love forever. I will not reprimand or punish you, but my love for you will never end. You need that verse. I need that verse. So second, God's love is long enough to forgive every day. Third, God's love is high enough to forgive everywhere. God's love is high enough to forgive everywhere. Everywhere. Look at Ezra's prayer. Ezra 9 and verse 6. He says, Oh God, I'm too ashamed to lift my face to you because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. You ever felt that way? In your guilt and shame? Well, here's the good news. Our guilt may reach to the heavens, but Psalm 35 verse 6 reminds us that God's love reaches to the heavens too. (laughs) In Romans 8 and verse 39, Paul wrote, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Quite simply, there is no place that we can go that God's love and forgiveness cannot reach us. So third, God's love is high enough to forgive everywhere. And then fourth, God's love is deep enough to forgive everything. God's love is deep enough to forgive everything. This is where many of us have the hardest time believing in God's love and forgiveness. I've had people, in fact, somebody just this past week say to me, I am in so deep you don't realize how deep I am. I'm in the pit My life is at bottom. God can't possibly love me. I am so ashamed. There is no way God could ever forgive me for what I've done. (laughs) Wrong. No matter how deep your sin, God's love is deeper still. I love what it says in Deuteronomy 33.27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are His everlasting arms. Don't miss that word, underneath. When our life has hit bottom, guess who's underneath the bottom? God. We just need to let go and drop into His arms of love. The truth is, God's love for us is so deep that He's willing to forgive anything and everything. And when we begin to grasp that fact, what a difference that makes in our lives. Read Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. What's a clear record mean? It isn't there any longer. When you when you pay a bill and you pay something off, do you worry about that bill? No. No, why? Because it's paid off. Well, guess what? Jesus hung on the cross and he said, It is finished. Literally, it is paid in full. It's canceled. It's not there anymore. It's gone. Wow. So forth, God's love is deep enough to forgive everything. 
The four dimensions of God's love. It's wide enough to forgive everyone. It's long enough to forgive every day. It's high enough to forgive everywhere. And it's deep enough to forgive everything. That's what God does with our guilt. He forgives it. (laughs) Fighting your fears. This morning we've looked at my guilt. The problem is our guilt. The solution is God's love. And whatever label we give it, guilt, shame, embarrassment, disgrace, regret, we do not have to let this fear haunt us and taunt us any longer. If we will just admit our guilt to ourselves and to God and to others, He will forgive us and He will set us free. I've allowed this box to define me for far too long. These cards are the version of myself that only I can see. This prison has no walls, just my own regrets. No chains, only sins and doubts. No guards, only these voices that will not let me forget. I'm so tired and defeated. I just don't know how to let go, to escape. I feel ashamed of what God might think of me. I can hide behind smiles and laughter with my family and friends, but I cannot hide from God. He knows my deepest fears, my darkest secrets, my worst sins. Maybe the voices are right. Maybe He won't take me back. So I return to my cards again and again but this time I find this card I haven't seen in a long time this voice I haven't heard since has it been here this whole time child, I love you. Your past no longer defines who you are. The only voice that matters is mine. You are my child, and there is nothing you can do or have done to make me love you less. Your fate is sealed with my spirit. You don't need to live like this anymore. Let them go.
Oh Lord, I pray that we would learn today how we can just let them go. We don't need to visit these regrets any longer. We don't need to camp out in all of these sins and shortcomings and failures anymore. They don't need to haunt us. They don't need to taunt us. God, it is our desire that we would be free and shame. God, right now we declare before You in this moment that we will let them go. It's not going to be easy, but God, with Your love, it's possible. Thank You for promising us freedom from this guilt. Thank You for making a way for us when there was no other way. Thank You for telling us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We claim this right now. We ask, O Lord, that You would wipe the slate clean. Fill our hearts and our lives with Your love today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.